0: Well, that was true to the Gospel of Mark, wasn't it? Abrupt, filled with emotion, and not quite what you expect. There was no risen Christ in that account. There was no recognition at a shared meal. There was no calling a beloved by name. There was no instruction from a mountaintop. What we do get, according to one biblical scholar, is characteristic of the way Mark tells the story all along. In this account, what we get is a question and a promise. A question and a promise. And the question is this. Who will roll away the stone? This is a very practical question for those women who have come to the tomb early on that Sunday morning. Let's go back. Let's go back to last week. Uh, You may remember in last week's portion of Mark's Gospel that just precedes this, Joseph of Arimathea had bravely asked Pontius Pilate for Jesus' body after his death of crucifixion. And the sun is setting, and the Sabbath is approaching, And so Joseph has to move quickly. He hurries to buy a linen cloth and then takes his teacher's lifeless body down from the cross, then carries it to a tomb hewn from the rock and rolls a very large stone, likely the size of a boulder, across the front of the tomb, sealing it. And then he wearily goes home to begin the Sabbath. And we're told that watching from a distance were three of the faithful women who stayed there the entire time. Mark records it as Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome. Now, I imagine that these courageous women who had been there for the death of their beloved, I imagine that after they left that day, they spent much of their next day, the Sabbath, racked with grief and worrying over this question. When their Sabbath day of rest was done, when they would go back to the tomb To anoint Jesus' body, caring for it one last time, how are they going to roll away that massive stone? So, Mark's gospel asks us as listeners all the time, right? He asks in this gospel full of questions, questions that forward the narrative, but also demand something of us as listeners. And so, when I hear this question, "Who will roll away the stone?" I uh, I can't help but feel it deeply. There are so many obstacles that feel immovable right now in our lives. Stones like the deep and sustained injustices around race in our nation. Once again revealed this past week in the trial of the police officer who killed George Floyd last year in Minneapolis. Who will roll away that stone? Or stones like the profound economic inequality that continues to concentrate obscene wealth and power in the hands of a few at the expense of many. Who will roll away that stone? And the stones in front of us aren't always on this vast systemic level. Sometimes the stones that loom the largest in our lives are the ones that hew the closest. This past year, a year that has been filled with trauma and loss, this past year has fractured scores of relationships. It's been a part of so many of the conversations that I've had over months and months now. my guess is that many of us have people in our lives that we feel cut off from or distant from. And this past year, we've not always been proud about how we've behaved. And we're resentful for how others have behaved. And the stone between us Often feels just immovable. And as much as it hurts, when we come to those places, those dead and dying places in our lives, well, when it's been there for so long, we just expect that stone to keep things the way they are, even if it's hard. So it's no wonder that the women are startled when they reach the tomb that morning just as dawn is breaking, because not only has the stone been rolled away, but the body that they are there to anoint, the body of their beloved teacher is gone. And in the tomb instead is a young man dressed in white who tells them that Jesus of Nazareth has been raised. Our text tells us that when they see this, the women are alarmed, which is putting it mildly. This word, it's actually only used four times in the whole of the Greek New Testament, all of them in the Gospel of Mark, two of them right here. And whenever it's used, people's expectations are described as being fundamentally disrupted as if the the ground beneath them no longer holds. The stone has been moved. The body they came to care for has been raised from the dead. So is it surprising that the response of these women is amazement and fear? Fear? This is how the gospel ends? With the women too terrified to speak? What kind of an ending is that? Well, the fear that ends this account of the resurrection in Mark's gospel has been mystifying Christians for millennia. It's actually probably why two more endings were added to Mark's gospel over time, probably in the second century. Maybe it's because the followers in Mark's community wanted to hear the accounts that the other gospels had. Or maybe it's just that we're really uncomfortable with abrupt endings. But scholars are pretty certain that the original ending to this gospel has no risen body of Jesus to touch. And as we make our way through this liminal space of pandemic still, a space in which we're we're not done yet, but the signs are hopeful, as inequality is still... Everywhere we look, but change feels like it's afoot. Perhaps this is just the gospel for this moment. Perhaps whatever is ahead of us is not a quick fix or an immediate restoration. But maybe it is an opening. The possibility of possibility realized through great Sacrifice. And this, I believe, is part of the promise that Mark's gospel offers us that God will roll away the stone. And the promise continues. And it comes in the words of this divine messenger. And the words are that Jesus has been raised and is going ahead to Galilee. Galilee, uh, the place where it all began, the place where these men and women likely grew up, the place where they first encountered these incredible teachings and the miraculous healing. A place that is both familiar and yet, now will be forever different. My sense is this is where resurrection is known. In the places where we live, where we've loved, where we've hurt, where we've been hurt. And that's why it's so. Important for me that in this account, this divine messenger specifically mentions Peter. Remember, the last time that we've seen Peter in this story, he has denied his beloved teacher three times. I do not know the man. And after the cock has crowed for the second time, Peter realizes his failure and breaks down in tears, broken. So it is essential for me to hear the messenger tell the women, to say to the disciples and to Peter that Jesus has gone ahead to Galilee. and is waiting for him and for them there. Because we will fail on this Christian journey. We will stumble. We will shrink back when we're most needed. We will deny others the love that we have been given. And the inclusion of Peter to go to Galilee, that Jesus has gone ahead and is waiting for him there, well, that means that there's hope for you and for me too. But we have to trust in it. Esau Macaulay, a biblical scholar, says it this way. He says, Christians at their best are the fools who dare believe that God calls dead things back to life. And that is why those women were so terrified. Because dead things can be called back to life. I get the terror of those women upon finding that opening where they expected, maybe even counted on, an immovable object. If there's an immovable object, then I don't have to risk opening my heart to the possibility of life and of change and maybe even of hope of something different. And yet somehow, they went ahead. One of those women found Peter. And somehow, And I have to believe with fear and amazement, they went back to Galilee where Jesus had gone ahead. Because, friends, and this we can trust Jesus always goes ahead. So, as we have come to an Easter like none that we have ever known, I wonder, where is your Galilee? Where are the places in your life where you are afraid to place your hope? What are the changes that you yearn for but you just don't dare to believe in? Who are the people sitting on the other side of that stone, waiting? This Easter story, handed down from generation to generation to generation, it asks us, it implores us to look for the openings. The openings in our own hearts. The openings in the hearts of those around us. The openings in the places in our world where justice and compassion are breaking free. For these stones, as large as they are, these stones can be rolled away by God. And Jesus the Christ the force of love stronger than death has gone on ahead. And our job is to meet Him there.